This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Local governments are thinking of ways to use community engagement to deliver more equitable outcomes and sustainable policies to their residents. One of the groups that's been doing this kind of work for decades is the Metropolitan Planning Council, also known as MPC. And in a series of conversations over the next few months, Reset and MPC will introduce you to elected officials, nonprofits, and everyday citizens working together to solve problems. Today, we want to find out how local governments are seeking your voice before making decisions. Kendra Freeman is vice president at the Metropolitan Planning Council. Kendra, welcome to Reset. Hi, how are you? Thanks so much for having us. Doing well. And Kendra has brought with her Maria Haddon. She's Alderwoman of Chicago's 49th Ward, which includes Rogers Park. And also with us is Bernard Alsbury. He's the mayor of Hazelcrest in Chicago's south suburbs. Alderman, mayor, great to have you. Thank you. Great to be here. Kendra, I'll start with you. Tell us what exactly is the Metropolitan Planning Council? It sounds almost like a a government agency. Are you public or, or private? Uh, Sure. So MPC is actually an independent nonprofit organization, and we're focused on making positive change throughout the region. The research that illuminates our region's challenges through data-informed policy advocacy, um, so that's numbers as well as narratives, and also um, through advocacy for solutions, you know, equitable solutions to some of our our largest regional challenges. We also do um, technical assistance that empowers communities with tools to advance the solutions for their their neighborhoods and help them to prosper. Our main kind of areas of focus are research and evaluation, effective government, water, environment and sustainability, transportation, equitable development, and housing. So so we, we kind of focus on, on the big areas where we tend to have big planning challenges and try to bring uh, local voices into that conversation and do um, thoughtful and equitable advocacy towards solutions. Kendra, why is true community engagement important in any community process? Yeah, I think it's important for a lot of reasons. Um, I think one of the main reasons it's important because when you do meaningful engagement, it's a vehicle for equity. And by inviting the people who are most affected by a decision to participate in the planning and the decision-making process, it's just a no-brainer step in working to close equity gaps. It's also a way to, to begin to broaden the table, I think, to disrupt a groupthink and balance expert opinion and data with lived experience. 
Uh, and really, I think at the end of the day, that means planning with people and not for people and also helping to create an infrastructure to sustain that participation throughout the way. Uh, I like to think of it in some ways as if you wanted to design a custom wedding dress for me, but you never had a conversation with me about what I like, what I need or what I want, you know, you can't really do a good job. And That's I feel like one. engagement is the same way. Yeah, I like that. Alderman Haddon, what does true or good community engagement mean to you? It means people who are who are most directly impacted by an issue, having more than input, but having um, clear guidelines and, and opportunities to, to make decisions. Making sure that through so many of our government processes, decision makers, you know, maybe they're older people, maybe they're the full city council, figuring out who gets to make the decision and making sure there's a component of civic education involved in any kind of engagement process, I think is also key to real meaningful community engagement. What do you think, Mayor Ellsbury? What does good community engagement sound like to you? It's actually getting the community to participate in the process, uh, trust in the process, and feel, uh, you know, calm about uh, the engagement that you're asking them to participate in. And the most important piece is trust, especially with government, and making sure that they trust your decision that you're making, that they are part of that decision, and that they uh, feel like they can be engaged uh, in, a, in a manner that they will be heard. Kendra, how important is it to bolster outreach? Uh, you know, if people don't know about the processes, how, how can they participate, right? Yeah, outreach is, is really critical, and I think, you know, Outreach should not be done by external groups. It should be led and designed by the people in the neighborhood who know their neighbors and can actually, you know, make the connections and reach the people who need to be at the table. Uh, one of the practices that we have whenever we do any kind of TA project that involves engagement is working, you know, hyper-locally with the organizations that are on the ground to help us think about what engagement should look like, to support engagement, to provide stipends uh, off time for those agencies to do, you know, that individual door knocking or that outreach because people listen to people that they know <laughs> and yeah. they trust the people that they see every day. And, and we're there often to just facilitate a process and to provide support to the communities to actually uh, get what they need out of that process. I'm glad you brought up trust. How, how do you work specifically to build that? Do you have any examples? I think trust is challenging. I think, you know, when you look at government organizations or institutions or even nonprofits, you know, this been around a long time like MPC, there can be suspicion and like, like, who are you guys? And, and there is a trust issue. But I think, you know, we start um, with trying to build relationships with local leadership. Like, um, for example, when we worked in Alderman Manhattan's ward, you know, sitting down and, and talking with Alderman and her staff and understanding what the needs were in the community and then talking to other local partners. Uh, I think organizationally, we try to be really thoughtful about where we're doing work. So we're not dropping in just for a moment to do a one shot. A project or a process, and yeah. then we never go back to that community, but we're thinking about how do we sustain our relationship with that community for the long term, whether that's supporting advocacy, whether that's uh, bringing in other areas of the organization that provide support uh, or tools or research or data to, that, to support that community in their work. Well, let's talk more about what you've done in your communities. Uh, let's start with uh, Alderwoman Haddon. Tell us more about the Corridor Development Initiative in Rogers Park. 
it's been a really exciting engagement process. So we were fortunate that MPC was was available and, and happy to work with us. Kendra, I can remember having a meeting with you about this, I, I think maybe even pre-election or at least pre-swearing in for me. I'm like, I know yeah. the MPC is the organization <laughs> that's going to help us um, and help our community make sure we can think broadly um, and, and kind of go deeply. Um, so we've got a pretty decent-sized city-owned lot at the corner of Howard and Ashland. So for folks who aren't familiar with the 49th Ward or Rogers Park, we are the farthest northeast neighborhood in the city of Chicago. Uh, we've got the lake to our east and Evanston, the city of Evanston to our north. Um, and this is in the, the northern part of our ward. And uh, space has been owned by the city and, and relatively uh, unoccupied for about 30 years. There's been a fantastic community garden there for, um, for several years, but um, we know there have been many plans um, that developers have brought to me, have brought to my predecessor to look to purchase this land and develop it. And we really wanted with this corridor development initiative process to put community first, right? Mm -hmm. What do people who live around Howard and Ashland what do people who live in the 49th Ward, folks who've been there for, for a year, folks who've been there for 40 years, what do we want to see here? What would be the most beneficial project that could go here for the community? Um, and MPC um, was one of our partners in engaging our residents, my office, but also local community organizations and just all these people that, that make our community what it is to think about what's possible, to understand a development process and to come up with kind of the, the structure that's represented in this report, uh, that visioning process, so that we can move forward proactively as a, as a neighborhood, as a ward, as a community to say, mm -hmm. hey, city of Chicago, this is something like what we want to see, um, so that we're not finding ourselves reacting to, um, Kendra, I really like the whole wedding dress example, right? So we're not just reacting to other people's proposals for our community, but asking people, to respond and create a proposal that encompasses our needs and our values. And uh, Mayor, let's talk about Hazel Crescent and the lead service line work that you've you've done. How did that all come about? We know that state legislators are looking at uh, replacing uh, lead service lines throughout the state. We know that some legislation is going to come down where it says that it's going to be mandatory for us to actually ensure that they're replaced. And so we're looking at uh, ways through uh, MPC we have been working with them to actually uh, do a study to look at uh, parts of our community that historically are, are older that may have lead service lines. And how do we uh, address that in a way that doesn't become cost prohibitive to our, our village? Because the uh, service lines we have are in the older part of the towns. Many residents are a little nervous about the idea of lead, you know, historically. In our communities, when you, when you talk about lead, everyone's uh, fearful of the process. Yeah. And so we had to do two things. And far as engaging the community, make sure that they understand that they are not in any danger at, at this time from lead, that we are moving forward to replace these service lines and do the studies to see where they're located. So MPC has been a, a critical partner with that process. Uh, and then going about to uh, measure the areas that may support us in the process by allowing us in their homes because it's much easier for us to get into the homes, look at uh, their service lines from that perspective and, and, and decide if that's some place that we need to go for first. We've been able to map out those parts of our community that needs replacement or may need replacement. And uh, we're moving forward with uh, a cost analysis to see how much that will cost us. 
Uh, we're getting them to engage because everyone is, is saying, okay, are we first on the list? Are we second on the list? Where are we with our service lines? Are we safe? So all those questions have been, been able to be answered with partner with MPC, and we've done a uh, community outreach through uh, our, our community cable ch- uh, station, mm-hmm. uh, reaching out through our magazine, Village Magazine here in the Village of Hazelcrest, and engaging them in the process. And so it's exciting. To, now we can actually have a map that we can look at and see what areas may be impacted by our land service lines and move forward with the process. We have somewhat of a budget analysis to see if we need funding, where those dollars should be spent first. And so uh, it's, it's been great to move through that process mm-hmm. and getting our residents engaged. Kendra, I want to get back to you here. Tell us the challenges, uh, the pitfalls really in, in this approach and what you've learned along the way. Um, sure. I, I, there could be a number of challenges because every community is different. But I think one of the things that that tend to be challenging about engagement, and I think it's been mentioned here uh, by both Alderwoman Hatton and, and alluded to by Mayor Osbury, is when you're not like clear about the parameters <laughs> and how people are going to be able to come to the table and how their input is going to be used. No one wants to, you know, give their valuable time and their thinking. Um, to populate a report that's going to sit on a shelf. So Mm -hmm. it's really important that you define the parameters of of the engagement and people understand how how their feedback, where they're going to participate in the process. And I know for us, um, uh, that's something that we always think about because oftentimes we support a process, we facilitate a process, but we're not the decision makers. Mm -hmm. We don't control the indecision. Uh, and we really work to close those gaps and to work with partners who are going to create a process where, in the case of um, a planning process where recommendations are coming into the community, that those recommendations are actually going to be used in the final decision. Isn't it messier when more people, when more people participate, though, in, in planning and community decisions? Can it get messy? Like, how do you reckon with that? I mean, I think this is messy work. When you're trying to do good, equitable work, it's never easy. (laughs) It's always messy. I think another important thing is to make sure you have a good balance of voices at the table. Um, Oftentimes, you know, I've been in different, you know, engagements throughout my career where people just want to, like, build a group that's going to be supportive of what they want to see, and that's not what engagement really is. I mean, people who have different opinions and dissenting voices uh, challenge us to think through uh, other pitfalls or roadblocks that may be there, and and ultimately they make the process stronger. So you just can't build the engagement that you want to see. You have to open the table to be wide and reflect all of the different diverse perspectives of the community. Alderwoman, what are some proven strategies to ensure those diverse voices that you just heard Kendra talk about and make sure that they're heard? I'll say some of the proven strategies are some of the simplest, right, Um, and the things that take time to do. So I would be remiss to not mention that Kendra and and her team and and our community did the core of our work in the middle of a a global pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the discussions and the tools of hey, how we're going to reach people through flyering or or canvassing door-to-door, through phone banking, through going to existing community activities, right, working with community partners. A lot of the tried-and-true methods, right, of, one, letting people know that this is even happening were very disrupted, right, and we had to get creative. But I think everything that we came up with as a solution that ended up working very well for us, it was just rooted in the resources that we have here, right? So Kendra mentioned this before. 
you know, we put together a, a local community committee with people that we know, know people in this area, and we brainstorm together. Like, how do we talk to people? How do we reach people? How should we design this? Yeah. It's not rocket science, but it is hard work, um, and, it, and it takes some time. Mayor Alsbury, why don't you pick up where the elder woman left off uh, on some strategies to ensure that we get different voices at the table? Well, similarly what she said, and also what we've done is use a lot of social media. Due to the uh, pandemic, you know, it's hard to get people get together with people face to face, and so we've done zooms. We've uh, we use our cable channel to actually uh, lay it out. The map that we developed, we're able to uh, show the, the residents in the community the map where the hotspots may be, uh, the need that we have, and also to ensure them also that they're safe, that this is not something that's going to affect them today, and that we're looking to move forward with this to be proactive before the state says we have to do this. Right. Engaging them in that matter has, has been very productive. And then people come to our board meetings, and we actually addressed it during our, some of our village board meetings, again, showing them the map. We show them the, the, the information we had beforehand and then kind of walk them along the steps that we took and at the end show them what we had developed over the last couple of months so that they know that we're working, mm-hmm. they've been listening listen to, and they can actually see what we've done and that what their work has contributed to uh, our end product. Well, before I let you all go, uh, MPC has a number of policy recommendations for federal, state, and local policy changes for this year. Kendra, can you give us a very quick rundown of what they are? You know, we work at all levels of of government to improve policy and make the region better and more equitable for everybody. Some of the ways that we're doing that at the state level is we're working to pass a bill that would eliminate water service lines, you know, that are made of toxic lead. So building on the work um, that we've done uh, with Mayor Osbury and Hazelcrest. At the city level, we're weighing in on a number of different policies, including those that affect riverfront development, uh, air quality, and equitable transit-oriented development. And at the federal level, we're trying to play. We're paying close attention um, to the Biden administration's effort uh, to develop an infrastructure investment package and what that would mean um, for us here in the Chicago region. Kendra Freeman is vice president of the Metropolitan Planning Council. Maria Haddon is alderwoman of Chicago's 49th Ward, and Bernard Alsbury is mayor of suburban Hazelcrest. Thank you all. And that's today's reset. And this is the very first time that we're having this conversation about city and suburban governments reaching out to people like you to make more equitable and sustainable decisions. But there will be more to come, so stay tuned. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks so much for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.